Today on Follow Friday, we're going to talk about Bruce Willis, boba tea, hashtag goals, hair products, very British words, bad art friends, and monarchs. They're just like us. That's in a minute with Dana Schwartz from Noble Blood. But first, today's show is brought to you by The Edit from Timber. The Edit connects podcasters with industry professionals who will listen to their work and give them constructive feedback. Check them out at followfriday.net slash timber. Today is a good day to meet some new friends. Hey. Everyone make a way. The show is a buffet of folks you should know. Hey. So let's have a swirl. Well, that's enough for a place. So now right away. With no further delay. It's Follow Friday. It's Follow Friday. It's Follow Friday. It's Follow Friday. I'm Eric Johnson. Welcome to Follow Friday, the podcast about who you should follow online. Every week, I talk to a creative person about who they follow and why. This is a guided tour to the best people on the internet, led by your favorite writers, podcasters, comedians, and more. If this is your first episode of the show, please take a moment now and follow or subscribe in your podcast app. It's free, and you'll get fresh interviews with your favorite creators every week. Today on the show is Dana Schwartz, the host of the podcast Noble Blood, where she tells the true stories of some of history's most fascinating royals. She's also the author of a memoir called Choose Your Own Disaster, a humor book called The White Man's Guide to the White Male Raiders of the Western Canon, and an upcoming novel called Anatomy, a Love Story. You can find Dana on Twitter and Instagram at Dana Schwartz with three Zs. Dana, welcome to Follow Friday. Thank you so much for having me. What a pleasure. It's so nice to meet you. I've uh, followed your work for a long time. Big fan of Noble Blood. And uh, I'm also a fan of a new podcast that you've just launched called Haleywood. I was listening to the first episode yesterday. This is a fascinating story that I have never heard of. Could you explain for people uh, what that that show's about? Yeah, I also had never heard of it until this podcast. It's a story about Bruce Willis from the late 90s when he was sort of at the height of his power as a movie star and celebrity. And trying to get away from it all, he moves to this small town in Idaho called Haley. But as you'll soon learn over the course of the podcast, he isn't just there to retreat. He sort of decides he wants to remake the town in his own image. And a lot of it is bound up in his like aversion to the press. He has this very combative relationship with reporters, even when no one's actually harassing him. He's like paranoid about attention. There's, there's a lot of very complex. Uh, it's a it's a some psychological stuff going on there. That's um, really it. Uh, <laughs> he he. I feel like has this strange relationship where he both wants to be anonymous, but also wants to be famous and have the power of fame, but only on his terms. Uh, it's, I mean, as a character study, if nothing else, it's incredibly fascinating. But then you also get this wild saga of this tiny town in Idaho being taken over by a movie star. Yeah. Well, so that show is called Haleywood. And then uh, we should also encourage folks to pre-order your, your next book, Anatomy, Please. A Love Story. Uh, so what, what should people expect from that one? Why should someone pre-order that? Uh, so in my podcast, Noble Blood, I tell like true stories of sort of dark periods in history and and nobles and and what goes wrong, I sort of take the same 
uh, fascination I have with that period, with like European history and sort of dark history. And I wrote uh, a love story, sort of between. I'm not pitching it well. I feel very bad as I'm <laughs> writing it, as I'm as I'm talking. Uh, it's a love story that takes place in uh, 19th century Edinburgh between a young woman who wants to be a surgeon and a body snatcher who steals dead bodies from graves. So that's what you can expect. <laughs> I say I, after the long and confusing introduction. I, I was looking at the description on Amazon and as I'm like, you know, scrolling down, it's like, oh, oh, okay, body snatchers. We're doing this. All right. Yeah, that is exactly <laughs> what we're doing. It's like my favorite things in the world all pushed together. All right, well, let's find out who Dana Schwartz follows online. You can follow along with us today. Every person she recommends will be linked in the show notes and in the transcript at followfridaypodcast.com. It's Final Friday. Dana, before the show, I gave you a list of categories, and I asked you to tell me four people you follow who fit in those categories. Your first pick is in the category, someone you have a non-romantic crush on, and you said Chris Fleming. I mean, it might be a romantic crush if I wasn't That's engaged, allowed. but yeah. <laughs> He's on Instagram at Chris Fleming Fleming and on Twitter at Chris Fleming. He's come up on the show once before, way back in episode six with Allie Ward. But for people listening who are missing out on Chris Fleming's genius, uh, talk about what he does. What, why do you crush on him? Okay, so there's to get into why I love Chris Fleming, there's like an old story about Woody Allen, uh, and I'm apologies in advance that it's a Woody Allen story, but someone wrote that he saw Woody Allen doing a stand-up set and completely bombed. You know, this was right when before he was Woody Allen, Woody Allen, uh, and completely bombed. And then a year later, Woody Allen was doing the same Woody Allen shtick, but nailed it. The audience was loving it. And it's like culture kind of caught up with Woody Allen, even though he was doing the same thing the whole time. I feel like that's Chris Fleming. Like he's been doing this absurdist, but like specific and very physical and like rapid fire comedy. And he's been doing it on Instagram and uh, YouTube videos and songs and stand up uh, and Twitter. Uh, and it's so funny and so singular. And I kind of feel like now culture is catching up with him a little bit. And that's that's how I feel. I just think he's like an amazing talent in so many respects. Like I'm just in awe of him and everything he makes is so unexpected and hilarious. Yeah, that's a really incisive point because his, I think, big break or, or modest break was a YouTube series that was kind of this absurdist series called Gale, I think. Yeah. And it's very much the TikTok sensibility, kind of. It's yeah. the TikTok sketch humor sensibility, exactly what you see all over the internet now. Like, I've seen TikToks that are, like, imitating what Chris Fleming did six years ago, whether they know it or not. Like, that rapid fire, like, character sketch, uh, quick cutting. Yeah, I think he's a genius. So how did you first start watching his videos? Do you remember, was there a specific video you saw or a specific way you, you started following him? Oh, God, I don't remember. I feel like I liked his songs on YouTube. He has, like, very specific, weird, amelodic songs. <laughs> uh, and then I followed him, you know, on Twitter and Instagram and have just watched everything he's done since. And during the quarantine, he did, like, a great stand-up show inside, like, streaming that I thought was very smart and funny. And, like, I will, in a non-platonic crush way, follow him to the ends of the earth. <laughs> what about that? style of, of comedy, this absurd, high energy where he's he's singing and he's dancing and he's uh, kind of prancing around in the, these very, very well-fitted onesies. Yeah, um, that's exactly it. Is, is, that, is that style of comedy something you seek out generally? Do you find that that's something that runs through kind of your comedy taste generally? Or is he kind of this singular 
presence. I think he is the singular presence for me because it's his specificity that really tickles me more than like the absurdity of like his movement or, you know, onesies. It's like he has this video just about how much he loves boba tea (laughs) and how he needs to drink boba tea every day. And just the specificity and commitment to the, the premise, I think, is wildly funny. And then they just throw he just throws like very specific references in lines where you wouldn't necessarily hear them. Like, I just think the rhythm of his comedy is very good. When you talk to me in the morning, I talk like the owner of a wolf sanctuary. But after Boba, I talk like the owner of a boutique children's clothing store. My friend Matt said, isn't Boba more of a treat than an everyday thing? And now Matt's number is no longer saved in my phone. He also has a a great song slash, you know, stand up act where he talks about a woman who uh, files his taxes named Sick Jan, who just always has a minor cold and she's very (laughs) theatrical about it. And just the way he describes her being theatrical with her sneezes and coughs is it tickles me every single time. He also is like. Again, he drops these references that are very smart. I think like his like glittery onesies belie how smart his uh, actual act is. Like <laughs> he's talking about going to jail for tax fraud with Sick Jan. He's like Whitey Bulger's Airbnb, last Airbnb is how he <laughs> describes jail, which is just perfect and no one else would do it. Uh, I think also like I'm a former theater kid and he has big theater kid energy. And so that also I find very funny. Yeah, that is some, this is something that came up uh, on Ali Ward's episode. She was talking about a video of his where he's breaking down the movie version of Grease. Like, like oh, he's breaking yeah. down, it's the last song, the You're the One That I Want song. And yeah. He's breaking down, like, John Travolta having a mental break. Like, he, he freeze frames it and is advancing, like, showing the just the crazy look in his eyes. Uh, and it's Fully it's, disassociating. Yeah, and, and it's just like... You can enjoy that movie and and have never really noticed just how how weird that performance is. But he clearly celebrates and and has watched that movie probably a lot to come to come to this very impassioned uh, argument to be, to be made about it. So yeah, and he also has one in in that same I think stand up special where he jokes about how at the end of Benny and the Jets it feels like Elton John is being held at the piano by a benevolent force forcing him to keep going because that <laughs> outro is incredibly long. And I feel like I have played Chris Fleming bits for like people I've been dating or like friends of mine. And if they just are like, okay, I just don't see it. It reflects to me poorly on them as people. Yep. And I think that's fair. You get, it's got to cut ties. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a sign. That was Chris Fleming, who was on Instagram at Chris Fleming Fleming. It's Final Friday. Dana, let's move on to your next follow. I asked you for someone you're jealous of, and you said Victoria Aveyard, who's on Instagram at Victoria Aveyard, and her last name is spelled like graveyard without the G-R, A-V-E-Y-A-R-D. You and Victoria are both authors. Her first book was a big hit novel called The Red Queen. Is that specifically what you're jealous of, or is it something else she does? It's actually like, I mean, great that she has an amazingly successful book. Like, yes, I desperately want that. She has this like, very soothing TikTok presence. Oh, interesting. 
Um, I don't know if you're on TikTok. I, I, I only like on my computer. I don't actually have it on my phone because I'm worried about getting addicted. <laughs> I mean, that's very smart. It's very addicting. But she just like I like the way she decorates her house. Her house always looks really neat and clean. And like she has a dog and her fiance like this sounds creepy as I'm saying it. But it's like on TikTok, <laughs> you do feel like you get to know these people. I've never met her in my life. We're not friends. I want to make that very clear. I'm not stalking her. Uh, I have no relationship to this person, but she's an author. I'm an author. My life is just like a full mess. Like my house is like covered in clothes and garbage and unrecycled boxes. And just her life looks very like, like a Nancy Myers movie yep. that I can see via TikTok with like her golden retriever and her like cashmere cardigans. And I'm like, I just want your life. How do I get it? <laughs> I was looking at her Instagram and I got the same vibe. I was just like, wow, this this is a a, a goals aesthetic right here. Yeah, this just like I think, looks. <laughs> I think that's it. Like we're ostensibly in the same field, but her life just looks and we like live. I, I mean, I'm in L.A. I, I assume from her Instagram and TikTok, she's also in California somewhere. But like her life just looks so curated and beautiful. And I'm like. I don't I know social media is not real, but like her house is real. That's a nice house. <laughs> the golden retriever's real. <laughs> her hair and skin gleaming always. Yep. Great. <laughs> it makes me think of that. Did you ever see that? It was a New Yorker cover where it's the woman on a Zoom call and she's like, you just got makeup on. She's and the top is like the perfectly, you know, ironed, you know, business yeah. top. And then everything around her is just a shambles. <laughs> uh, that's basically it. I mean, like that's if you if you think I look put together right now, that's what my <laughs> life is like. Uh, but her life looks really put together. And so I follow her on like TikTok and Instagram just to one make me feel bet worse about myself, but also as like inspirational goals. So outside of the aesthetic inspirational goals, is there anything that you have, you know, learned from following her or something that you something that you've gotten out of not stalking her, but sort of half stalking her? Is, is there anything that has, has influenced you that has, you know, caused you to make any sort of change either in your own work or your own life, things like that? I feel like now this is like silly, but like her hair always looks great. And I'm like, <laughs> I want my hair to look that good. I've started like blow drying my hair more and like using the, the expense. Like I've bought all these like expensive oils and skincare stuff that just somehow like I never end up using because I aspirationally purchase it and think it's going to make me feel organized. And I feel like looking at her good hair and clear skin, it's like motivated me to want to do better. Yeah. So as I mentioned, uh, Victoria's first novel was called the, the Red Queen. We talked about your novel coming out. What have you? I mean, I, maybe you haven't had time because you've been working on, you know, actually writing a book. But have you been reading anything recently? Any fantasy or sci-fi that you really loved? You know, I don't really read a ton of fantasy sci-fi, but I'm reading right now Jonathan Franzen's new book, uh, Crossroads, and it's great. I mean, like every time I read a Jonathan Franzen book, I'm like, oh, this will be the one that reminds me that he's overrated, and I'll get to like have my cool take that like, oh, actually he's bad. But like, no, he's like a great writer. He writes really compelling characters, and I'm really enjoying it. Yeah. All right. Well, that was Victoria Aviard. Do I sound creepy? You have to be honest. Do I sound like I'm stalking this woman who I don't know? No, I think if you had gone a little bit further and you'd been like, okay, well, in the corner of her living room, there's a specific, you know, ficus or whatever. I, I, I think you, you, it, could, it could have been worse, you know? Okay, great. Yeah, you're the expert. <laughs> that was Victoria Aviard, who was on Instagram at Victoria Aviard. We're going to take a quick break now, but we'll be back in a minute with Dana Schwartz. 
Today's show is brought to you by The Edit from Timber. If you have a podcast, you're probably proud of what you've made, and that is great, you should be. But that doesn't mean that you can't make it better with a little constructive feedback, and that's exactly what The Edit from Timber can give you. For only $20 a month, you'll be connected with industry professionals like Sky Pillsbury, Jenna Spinell, Shruti Ravindran, and me, Eric Johnson, and we'll give you reasons to be even prouder of what you're making. Sign up today at followfriday.net slash timber. That's followfriday.net slash T-I-M-B-E-R. It's Follow Friday. Welcome back to Follow Friday. Dana, I asked you to tell me about someone who makes you laugh, and you said Adam Hess, who is on Instagram at AdamHess100. That's the number 100. He's a comedian and writer, and his Instagram bio is, my granddad claims he invented bingo. So (laughs) what do you like about Adam? Why do you follow him? I honestly don't know how I found him. Like, he's not an incredibly, he's not like a super famous comedian. I don't mean to like disparage him, but he's not like, like a massive comedian. But I found him during the pandemic. He was making these videos that were short videos that were just like, tutorials to how to do facial expressions in social situations <laughs> and the combination of how specific they were and like how british they were like british people have all these social situations that they react to a certain way it just made me laugh to no end and i desperately was like i have to be friends with this person i'm not like i again don't know yeah. him but I have watched every one of his videos. And if he ever comes to the United States or Adam, if you're listening to this, come hang out in L.A. sometime. I haven't seen the the facial expression videos, but I did also really like he has a series of posts he's doing on Instagram where he's inventing new words and then providing dictionary definitions for those words. And they're very (laughs) British. Uh, So British. (laughs) My favorite is um, Chessence which means the desire for a particular person to push in front of you in a queue because you want to say, sorry, there's actually a queue, to the point where you start practicing saying that in your head. (laughs) Yeah, that's like so British and so perfect. And like, he's like my, the platonic ideal of like the quirky British boyfriend I've always wanted. (laughs) We won't tell your fiance. No one needs to know. (laughs) No, no. It's like, it's an idea. Again, it's like a, a platonic projection. He also like, He does like very self-deprecating characters that I think are funny. And I just think so much of like internet comedy, that sounds gross, but like so much of internet comedy has just been like, becomes reinforced and flattened and just sort of like it all, everyone's imitating each other and doing the same thing. And I feel like Adam Hess is like very singular with what he's doing. And like, he's, it doesn't feel like he's imitating anyone and it doesn't feel like he's, he's an imitation of an imitation. Yeah. I don't know if this is typical of his, you know, larger uh, his comedy career, but I watched one of his stand-up a clip from some of his stand-up, and he was just going through these really rapid-fire one-liners, like yeah. all of these. It was like it was basically like if Mitch Hedberg had just pounded a couple Red Bulls. It, it was it was impressive the the energy with which he he was attacking these jokes. <laughs> I love that's what I love. Like I love a comedian who like I think a lot of not to project, but they're not to be uh too broad here but like i think a lot of stand-up comedy sometimes is people who just know how to say things in a funny inflection to make Mm -hmm. people laugh like it's sort of the dane cook effect where people realize like if you talk like this like people (laughs) are cued as to when to laugh and that sometimes leads to like people not really making jokes and so i really just love someone like 
actively making jokes. I, I do too. I mean, it, it, the, there was just an episode of the podcast Under Understood where they're talking about the really corny jokes on Laffy Taffy, uh, <laughs> you know, like really bland, family-friendly jokes. But they found a guy who his whole life was just building up to writing these corny, you know, one-liners. And it's they, they, they did this this great interview with this guy who every every free moment of every day he's just thinking up like you know uh, f- funny like funny jokes like that just pure simple jokes and i really admire that you know when, when someone um has that energy you know i love a joke i mean i'm engaged to a comedian i feel like that's that's what i want in life <laughs> well so the, the one thing before before we move on to your next follow which is that this is and this is the first time this has ever happened on this show literally while i was working on this part of like my the script like my questions about adam his Instagram account went from public to private. Whoa, I'm so sorry. I was watching his videos, and then I tried to open one, and it wouldn't load. And then I refreshed the page, and it's like, this account is private. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta follow to, to see his videos. So Ooh. I don't know what, what's going on. I hope I didn't trip off some alarm bells, but... <laughs> I Me mean, uh, neither. I hope that it's not this private secret that only I get. Yeah, but if well, so, it makes me feel very cool, and like, like it's, he's very underground. Well, if you are cool enough to follow him, that's Adam Hess, who's on Instagram at Adam Hess 100. Uh, good luck, apparently. It's Final Friday. We have time for one more follow today. I asked you for someone who makes you think, and you said Michael Hobbs, who is on Twitter at Rotten in Denmark. Michael is the co-host of the podcast Maintenance Phase with Aubrey Gordon and the former co-host of You're Wrong About with Sarah Marshall. I started listening to both their shows this year. They're outstanding. Um, is, is one of those podcasts how you started following him, or did you start following him before this? I started following him. I was a very, not to be hipster about this, I was a very early listener of You're Wrong About. Before it was cool? Yeah, before it was, I did feel, I do feel like it sort of blew up at a certain point. I just love the podcast. Like, I tweeted about it a lot. And then I think Sarah Marshall reached out to me at one point and asked me if I want to come on the show and talk about Marie Antoinette. So I've been on the show a few times. And both as a listener of the podcast and as a fan, I feel like uh, Sarah and Michael are just both extraordinary thinkers and journalists and listeners um, and have sort of taught me how to think critically in a way about uh, media and politics in a way that like, I think I had gotten complacent. And the reason I'm highlighting Michael in this follow Friday, even though both Sarah and Michael do such excellent work on, or did such excellent work together on your wrong about is Michael's uh, is active on Twitter and he posts uh, sort of his take on news and politics in a way that like he cuts out the bullshit in a, a way that I feel like a lot of people tweeting don't. And I really respect and respond to that. And so I feel like if you are interested in politics in any way or social justice or progress or liberalism, like it's just good to follow him just to get a smart perspective. I feel like he's always the smartest perspective on my timeline. Yeah, absolutely. Is there a specific thing that you remember him tweeting about, writing about, podcasting about that has, you know, changed your mind? Has it has, has uh, you know, pushed you in some way? Yeah. I Okay. So do you remember the whole, I hate to bring this up again, but the whole uh, bad art friend shenanigan that happened? I opted out of this discourse cycle. I saw everyone on Twitter was posting about a uh, bad art friend and I was... I, I, I've still not actually read the original article. I mean, um, maybe, great. It, maybe if you could summarize for, for, for folks, for, for me and for the benefit of me and the other people who maybe skipped it. 
it almost doesn't matter. But all I'll say is it was like everyone on Twitter had their own like jokes and opinions. And Michael, like in this very cool handed, even or even handed, cool eyed way, wrote like a long form piece going through it and like in a way where I'm like, oh, he should be a Supreme Court judge. <laughs> I want to hear his take on literally everything. Uh, so that's a recent one where if like if you read that bad art friend and sort of felt conflicted or felt like, oh, I want to be snarky about this. Like he was the one, at least in my mind, who was able to, uh, as I said before, cut through the bullshit and get to the heart of the matter in a way that was compassionate and empathetic and smart all at once. And I feel like some people think that to be funny, you have to be mean or snarky or cruel. And I think he's both funny and smart and compassionate at the same time. 100% agree. Yeah, another long read that I would recommend is a thing that Michael wrote for HuffPost a couple years ago called Everything You Know About Obesity is Wrong. Yes, Um, and I I mean, his podcast, Maintenance Phase with Aubrey, is amazing. Sorry to interrupt. No, 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 but yeah, Maintenance Phase, it's, uh, they, they mainly focus on wellness industry and health fads, diet fads, things like that. Um, and this article, I guess, was sort of maybe the, the genesis of him wanting to, to talk about that. It really, I mean, I cannot recommend it enough. It really challenged me to rethink some toxic kind of assumptions and stereotypes that I had absorbed um, about fat people, you know? I feel the same way. Like, just living in society and in culture, like, people absorb shitty bad opinions And I feel like Michael and Sarah and Aubrey, like all together, like their goal is like, okay, society has given us that, but it's now your role to be able to think critically and reevaluate and move forward as a better person. And that like social responsibility really speaks to me. Yeah. That feels gross, really speaks to me. I mean, like makes me want to try harder. Yes, absolutely. I mean, this is something, there's some a bit of overlap with, with Noble Blood here, because a lot of the folks that you're covering on that show, they're famous folks, famous royals, whose reputations have been very much distorted by political rivals, or just by sexist historians, or by God knows what. Like, can, can you talk a bit about, like, why you decided to go that route with Noble Blood? Like, what is it, I guess, about clearing up these historical, you know, misconceptions or stereotypes or things like that. Um, Why does that interest you? I feel like royals have, especially in popular culture, become more symbols than people. And it's, I think people have this tendency to view people who lived, you know, a few hundred years ago as like strange, different animals. Like they're not even human anymore. Like, like their motivations are completely foreign to us. And I find it very interesting to sort of, cut through the symbolism of what this person represents and try to get at the heart of like, who were they as an individual? What were the choices they felt? What must this have felt like for them? And retell the stories that we maybe know or don't know, but from through that lens. Yeah. And I guess there's some applicability to non-historical figures as well, like like present day figures. You know, you can maybe start to see, you know, modern day politicians in a different way or just any anyone in a different light not through the way they've been filtered through media or what have you. It's so interesting. Like, I feel like a few people have accused me, like, in, like, people giving me mean reviews on, on, they're like, we shouldn't have a monarchy. Like, why are you a monarchist? And I'm like, if you listen to my podcast and think that I think the best system of government is a (laughs) random person being in charge, like, that is absolutely not what I think the government should be. I just think it's... The whole point of Noble Blood is me pointing out that like these royals are just normal people. And like 
I think they're interesting people because they've been given unchecked power often throughout history. But uh, for the record, I don't think that that's the best system of government. (laughs) I think like you can look at them with empathy and be like, oh, this is a person of like normal intelligence and very few skills who is not qualified to lead in any way. So isn't it interesting that they've been put in these positions and then also be able to think critically and be like, and also that's not how the government should work. <laughs> there's, there's some weird thing with like internet, uh, internet media and fandom culture. And I don't know, there's, there's, there's some weird layers where it's like, if you are dedicating a significant chunk of your, of your life to a podcast about something or a blog about something, a YouTube channel about something, some people assume that you are endorsing that thing. Like there, there's this, this is weird space where we're, criticism of of a thing where where the nuances of criticism gets lost online. I'm I'm not articulating it very well, but you know what I mean. No, I totally get it. I mean, my I feel like the the thesis that I'm working for through Noble Blood every episode is like, oh, these people who are royals were just people. And like that's the position like through no particular skills or abilities, they were assigned this massively important role and usually it goes bad. Well, that was Noble Blood, which is Dana's podcast, and her recommendation, Michael Hobbs, is the co-host of Maintenance Phase and the former co-host of You're Wrong About, which is also excellent. Please go fill your cues with these wonderful podcasts. And also, Michael Hobbs is on Twitter at Rotten in Denmark. Dana, thank you for sharing these follows with us today. Before we go, let's make sure listeners know how to find you online. Where do you want them to follow you? Uh, follow me at Dana Schwartz with three Zs. It's the same username on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok if you're there. And also, please pre-order my book. Yeah, that's Anatomy, a Love Story. There we go. Thank you. Follow me on Twitter at HeyHeyESJ. And don't forget to follow or subscribe to Follow Friday in your podcast app. If you like this episode, then go listen to the episodes with Ologies host Allie Ward, the constant host Mark Chrysler, and author-slash-YouTuber Lindsay Ellis. Our theme music was written by me and performed by Yona Marie. Our show art was illustrated by Dodie Hermerwan. That's all for this week. This is Eric Johnson reminding you to talk about people behind their backs. And when you do, say something nice. See you next Friday. <laughs>